0: Welcome to the LifeGiver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, and advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first-responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most.
1: Through all the storms, I'm by your side. Through days of warmth, I'm by your side. Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky,
0: I'm
1: by your side.
0: Welcome to the life giver podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. We are in the season seven called reconnect where we're talking about reconnecting with what matters most. We're actually close to wrapping up the season and I'm so excited to have some very special guests with me. I'm Jeff and Lori Hawkins. Um, I've known them, Matt and I have known them for quite a while. Um, and I want to give just a quick, um, like just introduction of why I asked, um, Jeff and Lori to join. On the podcast, um, because I have had many couples over the last few years come to me for coaching or counseling to talk through transition issues. Um, And I often get that request, like can you cover more either veteran specific topics or the the topic of transition? I know Matt and I are are not too far away from transitioning. It's definitely a conversation that we're having more and more these days. And so I feel a little bit of that anxiety or that tug too about what does it mean to, to transition? What is it like to transition and how do you do that smoothly as possible. And I know that's something that a lot of you think about and um, are trying to make plans for. And so when I was thinking about how do I cover this topic, um, Jeff and Lori came to my mind. I had a conversation. um, Well, I call him Chaplain Hawkins, um, but I had a conversation with Jeff. um, Goodness, I think it was maybe a year ago um, where you shared with me um a little bit about your transition and what that's been like and and it was it also involved covid you know time during that and so um it just was a phenomenal approach to transitioning um i'm sure there were some ups and downs that you guys will share with us um but i just knew you guys were were exactly who i wanted to come on to share your story of transitioning and, and getting some lessons learned so Jeff and Lori, thank you so much for for giving some of your time. Um, I think you might be with grandkids, so thank you for giving you some of this time and, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah,
2: wonderful to be here, and I think we are probably still in the process of transitioning. So yeah, it's it's fresh dirt that we're turning over here. So glad to glad to be a part.
0: Well, I think there's several phases that you guys have gone through as far as transitioning. And so I'm excited to hear a little bit more um, how it started and then maybe kind of we'll wrap up with where you guys are now. So I think just to dive in, do you guys wanna share a little bit of your background, share um, a little bit of your military story as you would like to share it um, and maybe share how long you guys were in when you retired?
2: Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Lori's given me the nod, so I'll dive in and uh, go first here, and uh, she can jump in at any point she wants. But, you know, basically our military journey was across uh, a total of about 31 years plus. And uh, our initial time, simply as an enlisted uh, married couple, uh, we jumped in way back, which seems a long, long time ago in the uh, mid 80s and uh, did uh, a number of things. I was an MI soldier and then special forces soldier. Lori was actually working on her second pension in that she was a military brat. She had already done 20 years with a father who had done two tours, Vietnam, airborne infantry guy, uh, amazing family that had weathered, you know, that experience from a military standpoint. And why on earth she signed up for another, you know, 31 years with me after that go round Uh, She simply amazes me, but uh, she was great all along the way. And as we began to approach the end of that time, uh, I think both of us were anticipating, of course, that, uh, you know, as I frequently say, you can love the military, you can love the army in our case, uh, but the army is not designed to love you back. That's Mm -hmm. not its function. Uh, Its function is to fight and win wars as a company, as an institution, so to speak, so we had given everything we had to our mission for God and country. Uh, as for the last 27 years of that time, after our enlisted days, we came back in. Uh, we're with the chaplaincy uh, in the Army for that last 27 years, which was quite a run. But we both had a sense that, hey, we're nearing the end of this. And I think we were just looking for, um, you know, here's your sign. What What's a sign? We began to see. We could have gone a couple years longer. It wasn't a mandatory out for us at that point. But we were just wanting to make sure that uh, our years were good years, uh, that we were all in and, uh, you know, just high RPMs, giving it all we had. And if ever then there came a time uh, when we were to be out, that we would at least be clear on that. That was just our heart. We wanted to be really clear. And I've talked, Corey, with so many people, especially as a chaplain across the years. We help, you know, all sorts of folks and families navigate that terrain. That's a very common theme is just, hey, when will I know? when will I know? So I don't know if Lori has any thoughts on how she came to the point where she was like, Hey, you know, maybe we know this is about time, but I'll express some of that from my perspective. But what do you think?
3: Yeah, I, um, I will say in retrospect, the, uh, I loved being in the military. I love that lifestyle. I grew up in it, as he mentioned, and I, um, I embraced it. I love people. And um, so I always enjoyed being with the spouses. And I would say the last two years, just due to family on both sides, grandchildren coming along and wanting to be there and with them, and then having parents that were aging and needing me on that end. And so I really feel like that uh, my transition started a couple years before. Jeff actually punched out. And um due to just being gone more with family obligations, it kind of weaned me a little bit mm-hmm. from uh mm-hmm. where I most often was serving uh within our context. So
2: yeah. And you know, like a lot of folks at that stage of the game, uh, we had gone about as far as we were gonna go. I mean, we knew that in terms of your professional um. Progress, you know, from a rank standpoint, and very thankful, very grateful. So it was really a wonderful place to be. Nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to hide. You know, those last years, nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to hide, just there, blessed and wanting to serve. But then there came a point at which it was like, hey, you know, is this uh, going to be the time we need to get out? And we really, through our life of faith, put that out in prayer. That was mm-hmm. a huge part because, like, hey, we're not smart enough. You know, I'm, I'm not that good. I can't figure that out on myself. I don't want to trust myself for that major of a decision. Is it time to go or is it time to stay? So we really put that out there in our conversations with God. And bam, we got a clear answer. You don't always get that. Mm
1: -hmm. But in
2: our case, uh, we thought we had an absolutely abundantly clear answer. And I don't use that term lightly, uh, again, because that doesn't always happen. But it really was pretty clear for us that, hey, This is the time to celebrate a lifetime of service to the military and to get excited about whatever God's got in store next. Mm -hmm. And so that was the point at which uh, we do what all soldiers do and, uh, quote unquote, drop the paperwork. Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. were uh, convinced the army was very kind. They even came back and said, hey, would you consider this? Would you consider that? And it was very easy uh, to say, hey, we are grateful. We are thankful. But no. Now we've been all in and now it's time for us to move on and be all out as we move on you know, to what's next.
0: Uh, okay, so I wanna pause you there for just a second cause you both said something I would love to zero in on. Um, First um, Jeff for you, you said you you kind of were entering you entered into this season, I love the phrase that you said and you repeated it several times of nothing. say nothing to nothing to gain nothing to hide. I missed one there.
2: Nothing to to prove nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: So um, where did you get that phrase? Did you come up with that yourself? Um, What was that like to use that phrase? And for what purpose?
2: Yeah, actually, Corey, I can remember going all the way back, and it's so funny you should ask that question, because just uh, coincidentally, which coincidence is when God performs a miracle and remains anonymous, so (laughs) we'll call that a God thing. Um, I was looking at a picture taken of me in Thailand in probably 1997, and those words were written on a whiteboard behind me as I was doing an evening service in the jungle uh, in Thailand in some special forces operating base we had uh, there in the middle of Thailand. And uh, that that just struck me. That was an outline for a message that I gave that easing, just kind of an inspirational thought uh, to the Green Braves that were gathered there at that time. I hadn't seen that in, goodness, you know, <laughs> pushing 25 to 30 years. Uh, but that was very much how we felt. um especially in the senior ranks of the chaplaincy, when you know, you've know you reached kind of the apex of your professional career, you just have this sense of, wow, what a gift. You know, I, I personally, we never aimed for that. We never stayed for that. So to wind up uh, in a place where you never thought you'd be necessarily professionally, uh, we were just very grateful. And there was nothing to prove,
0: mm-hmm.
2: nothing to gain, you know, and nothing to lose uh, yeah. at that point.
0: So so powerful the way that um something that we've experienced early on in our life comes full circle and it was it was like a seed that was planted a long time ago that was gonna yeah, help yeah. you walk through another
2: season. So and and what a great way to live. I mean for yeah. any of us, you know. Um and again, I I don't think that's that hasn't always been where I've been, but it was a good place to be. Uh I think again for us, thanks to our place in faith, uh ideally. 25, 30 years under your belt with an organization, you know, one as special as the military. Hopefully you learn a few things along the way. And man, you begin to discover as you approach the end of it, you know, the army was never mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're just honored to be a part of it, man. It was there 246 years before now, you know, Mm -hmm. we just celebrated our 247th year a couple days ago for the army. So you understand, especially Toward the end, even more so that you're just a steward. You just get to take care of that institution a little bit and hand it back behind uh, to those who are coming, you know, in your jet trail and they're doing an awesome job themselves and steward in it. So just a privilege. Yeah. And grateful.
0: I think that's a great reminder and a great perspective that I think sometimes sometimes um it's really easy as you near kind of um the end of your professional career i I work with a lot of service members a lot who really battle feeling resentful or disgruntled towards the end of that career because maybe they're sitting behind a desk and pushing papers and that's not necessarily what they signed up to do and they're just losing some of that spark and that passion and and i think it can be really easy to get into a place of entitlement and a place of anger um, Mm -hmm. instead of seeing it like you just Said is like being a steward of something. Um, one of our favorite commanders from our first assignment um, at the military ball after a very rough deployment said, There's going to be a day when you realize the army doesn't love you anymore. And right, I love what right. you said that yeah. it's never meant to do that in the first place, right? Yeah,
2: that's, I, I think, Corey, yeah, to your point, um, having enlisted time and having been. Uh, having done some things other than what I did as a chaplain before I became a chaplain uh, did help me, I think, to understand ultimately, there's nothing wrong with loving the army. We've both, you know, done our whole uh, time with the military surrounded by people that love the military and love each other. And that's awesome. That, that is great. Just don't expect the army or the military to love you back because that, that is not the function of the organization. And that's a real head clear. If you can get that one straight, um, then it helps you avoid the very things you mentioned that, that sense of entitlement, uh, that sense that they won't one day say goodbye to Jeff and Lori and they won't blink. Mm -hmm. I mean, they won't even blink when they do that, which is awesome because they're not designed to hang on for us or love us. In fact, we sing about it in the army. And the army keeps rolling <laughs> along. It it rolls along. That's why we sing that at retirements, because uh, it's not designed to honor us. Uh, in essence, we're designed to steward it. And it's a great thing to get clear on.
0: Such mm-hmm. a humbling perspective.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Lori, I want to zero in on something that you said. Um, you know, I talk with a lot of spouses who... Um, well, I mean, with couples, especially when, when we're talking about this transition experience, um, there's obviously a lot of conversation that happens prior to that decision. Um, it's almost like this ebb and flow, like this kind of like maybe the spouse is ready before the service member, or maybe the service member is ready before the spouse. Um, I've even seen, you know, I think. The stigma or what people always said for, you know, however many decades is that the it's the veteran that struggles the most with um, with leaving and le- losing that sense of identity. Obviously, if we're approaching retirement the way that you were just talking about, Jeff, then we can break, not struggle with that quite so much. But one of the things that I'm, I'm seeing is that spouses in particular, this was more than a, this wasn't a job for them. This was a lifestyle. And here you grew up as a child in this system, if you will as well. Mm-hmm. And so it it's more than a job, it's a lifestyle, it's who you are. I, I really see that for spouses, it really is more, even more of an identity sometimes than it can be for a service member because this is how you do life every day. It's how you um, navigate community in a job or not. And so you mentioned that you were starting to kind of feel that tug um, a couple of years prior to you guys actually dropping that paperwork. So what was, what was that like for you? Did you experience kind of that That pull or that tug before Jeff did, did you um, feel? Did you feel or go through any of that transition yourself, or maybe after being a military kid and a spouse, where you were like, "I think I'm tired and done now." (laughs) I think of Uh, Forrest Gump when he's running and he stops and he's like, "I'm really tired. I think I'm going
3: to go home now." Like that's what I think about (laughs) for you. Um, I, as I said, I loved our years. Whether we were enlisted or officer ranks, it was wonderful, and I love the camaraderie of the spouses in the army. In our instance, and um, just wonderful, wonderful people uh, getting to know the commanders' spouses, and the soldiers' spouses, and the other chaplain spouses. And uh, of course, we were involved with the chapel and. I was a lot involved in the Women's Bible Study on Pose, PWC, And so I really had the majority of my relationships were very much in our military context. Uh, I worked outside the home. I'm a nurse by trade. And so I did uh, work outside the home. And of course, wherever our kids went to school, I had some acquaintances and friends, but the majority of my relationships uh, with other spouses was military. And so I really wondered how I would do because I've known some spouses that have really struggled. And like I said, I do believe in retrospect that I was being weaned a little bit from that just because of traveling to be with uh, family uh, during those last couple of years. So I think that helped. And then, um, and you may get to this, but When we um, when Jeff punched out, we hit the road and Mm -hmm. we were away from the military uh, community um, for the first couple of years. And I think that probably also helped um, helped us to look elsewhere or relationship and all of that.
2: Yeah, I, I just jump into Corey and say related to that. I think what may have helped Lori is a partner looking on and saying, you know, how did she navigate that so well when it's not easy, you know, it's not easy. But yet I think the main thing that would have helped Lori is the same thing that would have been the main thing that helped me. The military was a huge part of our identity, but it was not the most important part of our identity.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's key. So mm-hmm. If the military and being whatever, whatever, you know, Green Beret, Ranger, you know, chaplain, uh, officer, senior NCO, CSM, you know, whatever, uh, or their wife or husband, you know, um, if that's your main identity, look out. You Mm -hmm. are headed for a train wreck because that chair is going to get kicked out from under you. And again, the army won't look back. The army gives those titles and it gives those associations. And that can be a part of our identity, but it's a rotten brick in the wall to be the cornerstone, you know, for our identity. So the good news was we had two things, at least, if not several, ahead of that identity. And one was, again, faith. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, before we were in the army, we were people of faith. We knew that after (laughs) the army We'd still be, you know, finding our identity in our faith. So that was huge. And that comes even before then, what would be the second biggest foundational cornerstone we lean on is we not only had a relationship with God, but we had a great relationship. um, At least Jeff thought so. I'd have to ask Lori to ask herself, (laughs) but a great relationship with each other, you know, that had weathered storms, that had weathered deployment, that had weathered trauma, that had weathered the things that happen with soldiers when soldiers and families go to war. You know, we've been there, done that with all those things. But we had come out on the other side of that very much in love and very together. So we had our faith and we had our family, you know, our marriage relationship, good relationship with kids, good relationship with extended family, and very grateful for that. Because with those two firm things in place, then it was much easier to step away from being, you know, Chaplain Hawkins, Colonel Hawkins, Commandant Hawkins, whatever, uh, Cause that, that stuff's done it, on, on a certain time and day it ends. And then you just go back to being Lori and Jeff, the couple mm-hmm. and a child of God. And if that's okay, then everything's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but if you don't have that, man, I would just say, wow, I, I wouldn't wish that for anybody because it can feel awfully precarious and awfully lonely mm-hmm. if you don't have some things ahead of the military in your life to lean on.
0: Mm, so good. So let's, let's jump into this decision to go on the road. I'm putting air quotes on that on the road. I mean, it's very literal, but let's talk about that because, um, you guys did what I, I think it's like a trend now. I mean, I know Matt and I are, have since started to think about this too, because, and so that's why I'm also want to hear all about it, but you guys actually got an RV and left for like a year, I think and went off the grid. So I would love for you guys to, I think it was more than a year. I think it was planned for a year. So walk us through that. But um, maybe start with, um, you know, Jeff, you had told me and you said a few minutes ago that you had um, talked with a lot of people about some lessons learned and trying to figure out how to do this transition. And I know that that also went into this decision to go off the grid a little bit. So walk us through the decision that you guys made and maybe how you made it together.
2: Yeah, thanks. I think three pieces of advice that were given to me, you know, that is just good soldiers. We get G2, you know, you get the intel, you want to pass good stuff along. So three things that were offered to us that I found to be true in our experience that I would just reflect on. Number one, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. You know, you'll know when it's time, So you know when it's time. And we lived uh, 30 years, 30 and a half years, not knowing when it would be time. And we'd heard that cliche. I was like, well, you know, really? Will you really? But for us, I would say we found that to be true. Yeah. When it was time, we knew it was time. And that was very freeing. There was a moment of grieving and sadness that, hey, this huge part of our life is going to come to an end that we love and that we're enjoying the ride. But now's the time. And we knew it was the right time. So that was number one. When it's time, uh, you'll know it. It'll it'll be time. So I would offer that as a bit of encouragement. Number two, uh, was, hey, don't ever expect anything to be as meaningful to you occupationally in terms of a job, a vocation. Don't expect anything to be as meaningful to you in your next go-round as your entire lifetime and career, mm-hmm. if that's what you've done. Uh, or even even if you've had short but intense periods of service, meaning primarily combat
1: mm-hmm. and the
2: camaraderie and the bonding that that produces – Just don't expect that going to work for Corporation XYZ or, you know, driving for trucking company, you know, ABC, just don't expect that to be anything like filling the void that's left by the deep sense of community, camaraderie, mission and accomplishment, pride, honor. You know, the military is so special because it's unique. It's the military. And especially when we've been down paths that have to do with life and death and uh, perhaps those that have served in that way and then just supreme sacrifice and um, depravity that is part of any military training that brings folks together in special you know cohesion and you know camaraderie that was the second piece of advice hey go do whatever you feel you're called to do in the next chapter of life just don't expect that to be quote unquote as good or like the military especially in regard to the deep relationships or camaraderie. So I would call number two, you know, expectation management. Number one, you'll know it when you know it. Number two, just expectation management. Nothing's probably going to fill that part like the military did from an occupation standpoint, especially if you've been downrange and had some of those intense bonding uh, experience. And then number three piece of advice was, hey, when you're there, be all in. And when you're gone, be all out. Mm. And uh, by that meaning, yeah, by that (laughs) meaning, make a clean break. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that was a piece of advice that was passed along to me. And I think we were so all in that for us, it was very helpful to make a clean break and be all out. And one Mm -hmm. of the ways that I would say that helped me was to separate the position from the person. Mm -hmm. So again, for those of us that have done military for a long time, we all leave with a position, whatever that is. Uh, And it's a good one by that point. If you've served all your life, we wind up in great positions, whatever they are. Uh, But when you leave cold Turkey, you understand very quickly on day one or two, the position stays with the army. The person has an identity apart from that and puts together a life after that. So that clean break, you know, was really helpful uh, in that sense. So I'll push the pause button and see if Lori wants to add anything to that in terms of tidbits that you got as we were approaching and how did we know it was time to go and make a break
3: i remember very clearly um we were starting to uh churn this thought process through and of course pray about what's the next step when and all of that and i very clearly remember a retired senior officer telling jeff jeff There's going to be people reaching out to you Mm. for when, as you are getting ready to retire, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. And I would just really recommend that you just practice the art of
2: deferment was what he called it. Practice the art of deference or deferment saying, well, thank you. But, you know, I'll think about that point being we've all seen this. I think we've all seen this that have been around the military anytime or another. Folks get scared when they leave uncle sugar, you know, uncle Sam, (laughs) When they leave Uncle Sam, they get scared. You know, who's going to take care of me? Where's the paycheck coming from? I got to find my own, you know, housing and there's no allowance. And, you know, it's a big, scary civilian world out there. You know, I have to go. Mm-hmm. We've gotten used to being, in many cases, well taken care of in a very secure system that does look out for us in that way. But this individual was saying, don't fight too fast on anything. Mm-hmm. Don't jump much like a relationship you know, don't have a rebound relationship with an occupation. (laughs) Uh, Or if you do just know that's what you went through and get out of it before you Mm. marry it after you date a new job and you don't like it and you find out my lands, why did I choose to do this after, you know, doing what I did? Then just know that's pretty normal and, and bump out of it. But in our case, Lori's saying, you know, they real wisdom, they said, don't, don't jump too quick at the first thing that comes down the pipe. And then to answer your question, Corey, uh, for me, it doesn't work this way for everybody, but for me, man, it was very much a spiritual thing. So that hasn't happened, but I could count them on one hand in my life where I would say, wow, I really felt the voice of God tell me. Again, I don't use that lightly. That that rarely happens. But about a year and a half out from retirement, I very clearly felt the Lord say, hey, this is coming to a close. And in terms of what next, I don't want you to do Anything Jeff, Mm -hmm. because you're doing, 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 doing right now in the military. What I'd really love for you to do, Jeff, is focus on being Mm. and not doing, and uh, just you know, be quiet before me and don't worry about what you're doing as much as how you are being with me as opposed to what you're doing. Me. So Corey, that's a direct answer to your question. That's mm-hmm. why we push the pause buttons, because I really felt kind of a sense of conviction that um, I wasn't allowed, so to speak. And some may not understand that for those that, you know, maybe you're coming from it from a spiritual place, they, they may have had that sense before that when God speaks you know it and you just want to honor that. And for me, it's kind of like, no, no, no. I know what I'm going to be doing. And that's nothing <laughs> because God has told me to do nothing and instead focus on being. And one of the ways we could do that was I had told Lori for a long time, when the time comes, it's going to be you, me and an RV, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> we three are going to take a trip. You me and an RV. So yeah, we took off on this grand excursion. COVID hit one day later after we launched the excursion. Our kids called us, you know, who had two young grandsons and they said, hey, can you help come watch the grandkids? Because they've just sent us home from work and them home from school. So we enjoyed exactly one day of this (laughs) grand retirement, uh, great loop RV vacation trip that we had planned. And after one day, we diverted uh, to Arkansas to go to family. It was awesome. We watched grandkids for the summer or the spring, really, at that point for three months. They were able to make some arrangements for childcare, and uh, we then relaunched what became about a year-long meandering version of hitting the road, uh, seeing some other family members, spending a lot of time with family, a lot of time with our other grandchild as well as these grandsons. And then with COVID, it kind of lapped into a second year. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: uh, we were able, Canada opened up, so we took the RV across the border, we made a run for the border and Mm -hmm. got up into Canada and saw some sites we'd waited all our lifetime to see. And uh, that was a great way for us to be, again, when we were in, man, we were all in, we bled Mm -hmm. army. But when we were out, we were, like you said, off the grid. Um, we weren't discussing army. We weren't, uh, you know, dressed in camouflage and just discovering what the next chapter was going to be about. Well,
0: and I would like to ask you about that because, you know, first of all, it's, it's easy to hear that and go, wow, that sounds amazing. And I, it sounds like it actually was. And I think anytime we are obedient to what God is asking us to do, there is a sense of peace and amazement about it. And we see... Um, I think sometimes either the many gifts or the many lessons that he wanted us to um, to go through and and how he was divinely orchestrating so much for you to be able to be with the grandkids too. So we can, there's a lot of amazing things in what you were just describing. But I also imagine that in the thick of it, when we're learning to be still, that that can often be a challenge after 30 years right. of going right. and doing. And right. um and so I would love to know what that experience was like for the both of you to, um, to pause like that, to intentionally go off the grid. To, like you said a second ago that you weren't even having, you were trying to not even have conversations about it. So there's a lot of creativity that now has to happen of what we talk about, right? So talk, talk to us a little bit about what that was like and then maybe the thick of it.
2: Well, I'll let Lori talk about that, but I would just say, hi, my name's Jeff. And I'm a recovering doer, so uh, you know that 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 process that process still isn't done for me. So I still wake up in the morning after bearing down almost on three years, uh, and I'm inclined to still want to do in a way where I feel where I'm supposed to be is, and I am doing a few things. I've said yes now to a few things occupationally, um, but I still feel like what God wants me to be focused on is being more than. Uh, doing so I'm I'm still working on that one I'm not sure I have a lot to offer I'll let Lori talk to you know how she put up with me and what you know two years of being on the road in an RV was like for her so what lessons that taught her
3: <laughs> it is a uh, it is a quite a change in your lifestyle and um, I am not really a type a real schedule driven person but I will say after being without a schedule for a while, I was craving that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that was uh, one thing is trying to get just my life back into some kind of routine. And um, I don't know, I think we both enjoyed the traveling. And I've always loved seeing our nation and all the beautiful things that are out there, you can travel the world, but we've got so much right here in the good old USA uh, to see and enjoy. Um, So that was very, very fun. Some of the highlights for me besides the scenery was that we got to stop and see people dotted across the US that we've known through the years. That's another gift of the army or the military is that you develop friendships that um, spread out all over. And so you can stop in and see people you know uh, all and, over the place. And
2: we've always believed if you can't abuse your friends, then who can you abuse? You know, so that was, <laughs> you know, stopping in and just, uh, imposing on friends for just a, a, an evening. That was, uh, yeah. you know, great fun. I, I would say, uh, in all seriousness, you know, don't buy an RV and don't decide to go spend a year on the road together. Um, you know, if your relationship isn't in a pretty solid spot, uh, because it'll, it'll either draw you closer together or you'll be in divorce court You know, before you can go. Uh, and, you know, seriously, again, with faith and family being pretty stable and uh, feeling good about those things, I'll just say from my perspective, there had to be an adjustment. God bless Lori. You know, I was away a lot. And even when I was home, I was at work. Mm -hmm. a lot you know so the days were long the years go fast Mm -hmm. but then when I retired what so many couples talk about is like well he is around all the time she Mm -hmm. is around all the time like could you please go TDY could you please find a deployment you know (laughs) that was gonna be my
0: next question because I a lot of couples are like I thought I was prepared to spend all this time together but this is much harder than I
2: thought Right. So I'll leave the room and let Lori talk about that with you right now. But it was, uh, yeah. it was fun for me to be around her. But I often thought, oh, my lands, what must she be feeling like? Because I'm just here all the time. And, you know, she wasn't used to that. So <laughs>
0: that was, It was it I was just going to say, I think this is a really important question and topic, right? Because I think marriage is supposed to evolve and it's supposed to stretch you and it should never be over as far as lessons learned or (laughs) digging deep or like making some adjustments. And so um, obviously you guys were having to adjust to being around each other more often, but it's also a great time to stretch your relationship. Like just, I mean, you saying, let's go off the grid and not talk about army, challenges you and stretches you to come up with other things to talk about and how often do i address a, a couple with young children who on a date night can't, don't right. know what else to talk about other than the kids right right so there is that stretching that almost needs to happen in our relationships and it sounds like you know a lot of couples listening could probably do that now and not wait for retirement like what are we talking about and can we talk about more things than just that so when, when we talk about this transition for you guys, this, this surely had to be a time of new stretching that was obviously good and important and helpful for the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think amidst all the, what sounds like just, Hey, pick up, hit the road, you know, tremendous amount of uh, flexibility, which was there. And I do want to add a caveat again, from the very beginning, we were so thankful uh, and we understood we we had years before we came back in the army where we there's no way we could have thought about, you know, um, grabbing an RV and going for an extended vacation. That was impossible financially for us during lean years. Um, but fortunately, we were in a position where uh, we could do that and, and we didn't have housing you know, we, we could pick up literally and go. So that that helped us. But I just want to underline, I get it. Not everybody's in a position uh, where they can do that necessarily. And we were very grateful and uh, mm-hmm. very thankful that we could do that. And we did decide to seize that moment, so to speak. And as you talked about, uh, we called it our gap year. So, you know, high schoolers now, you know, college kids come out. They want their gap year. And I would talk to the young soldiers even as I was getting ready to retire. I was like, you guys have gap years, right? You know, you had a gap year before you came down. Like man, I got gifts. I want my gap year. You know, I want my <laughs> gap year. So the old guy and uh, we 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 got our we got our gap year uh, in there. But I think Corey five F's that I would just say from my perspective. Uh, even though a lot of things were flexible, I was very intentional while focusing on being trying to determine what are the priorities of life and what are we going to focus on. And for us, five F's. Number one, faith. At the top of the list is faith. Number two, I've mentioned it, family. Uh, Number three, fitness. It's a great Mm -hmm. time to hit the reset button toward what's the sort of life we want for the back half of life, Mm -hmm. the next chapter of life, where we are good in all these areas of faith, what we want to maximize with family, how can we be better fit, especially for the soldiers, military folks being beyond a culture that will hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. Now nobody holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. So are you gonna you know sit on the couch and eat potato chips all day, which is one of my favorite pastimes? Potato <laughs> chips, you know, are a beautiful option, but that's not gonna get me where I wanna go in life. So fitness and then financially, uh, another F are finances and looking at that. And then at the bottom of that list, because those were in order, is fun. Hey, a chance mm-hmm. to maximize fun. So from top to bottom, making faith most important, what are the habits I'm going to develop now? Making family, where, especially being military, all of us having been gone a lot, not present a lot, Mm -hmm. have done the best we could with the time we had. But now we have more time. So where are we going to prioritize family? Where am I going to prioritize fitness, finances, and fun? Uh, There's been a lot of thought and continues to be a lot of thought on setting up the right rituals, the right routine, the right habits to get the sort of life you want in the back half that uh, we had some help with with the military in the front half. Well,
3: and I'm I was, actually, oh, go ahead, Lori, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I hadn't really thought about it, but some of the things that we found ourselves discussing as we're tooling across the United States were some of the same things you you talk about when you're first married. Mm. Where are we going to live? How mm. much time are we going to spend with each of the kids or the family? You know, mm. and um, just what do we want in a church home or you know um relationships and and community. how are we, we community
2: yeah, be part of a town yeah. a community yeah. which is something you don't get when you're active duty military you're bouncing around and yeah what would it look like for us to be part of a community to be a good citizen you know and take all this good stuff the military gave us and pour into a community but yeah it, like she was saying a great reset button mm-hmm. like to get a start again the second mm-hmm. half you know
3: so we sold our home <laughs> <laughs> We really pulled up stakes. <laughs> well,
0: and I, I, before I have you guys transition to uh, maybe how you started to make those decisions, like where you actually started to decide to settle down a little bit. Um, I'd love to ask really quickly. I know you, when you went off the grid, you made some effort to get off social media, I believe. Um, so is, is that true? And what was that like? <laughs>
2: well i would say for me social media uh because i'm i'm an introvert actually so i don't i don't really need the stimulation in many ways of social media uh but in my occupation vocation and calling uh with the military especially as the assignments you know rolled around more senior ones uh it was just part of doing a good job you know for the military was to have ideally uh, a strong social media presence it's just what you see commands do and good staff elements do. So, yeah, there have been years of just feeding the machine of social media and, and trying to show the right values, heralding celebrations over people and just great relationships. And I had gotten used to feeding that machine needing to do that um, and getting feedback from that machine, mm-hmm. you know, too. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that was a stroke. I would say a lot of friends, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of followers, so to speak. Um, but I would say it was a little bit easier for me to walk away from that because down deep, I don't have a strong thirst or need for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did go off and and for me, that was simply the case that that was a little bit easier, uh, to punch out, Mm -hmm. um, on that. And Corey, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I think, to remind all of us that we aren't our social media presence and we Mm -hmm. aren't our social media platform. It was just so freeing to not have to feed that monster (laughs) and to not worry about keeping up with it as well, which is always the backside of feeding it. You're always watching it too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've probably only recently even begun Uh, To use social media more daily or look at it, I don't look at it. And I'm not even sure I like that, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. relative to where I was, say, a year or two ago, not doing much at all with that. So that's just me. I'll let Lori speak for her on that one.
3: Yeah, I would say the only thing that I primarily do is check in on on, you know, friends and all that. Mm-hmm. a couple times a week. I've never been a real heavy duty Facebooker or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge, you know, um sacrifice on my part to back off of that. But um and then of course a lot of the places we were, we didn't have a good signal. So yeah. it wouldn't have done. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. have mattered. But um but yeah, I
0: Well one of the things that I'm hearing too, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um Jeff, you were almost describing it almost as if it was like part of the season that was closing, that that was, it was, and I think that's an interesting way to look at social media because so many people do use it for work or use it for if you're an entrepreneur or Mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons that we, we go into it, but I like kind of the idea that it's something that you can address seasonally if you want to. Like this was something that was part of my life for a season and then right. you can have another season where it's less so or taking a break for, from it, I think is an easier way to see things than I have to stop and I have to get off like cold turkey and never come back. Right. Like it, right. it really could be at the close of a season and, and be part of that transition, which I really liked that. Um, so I'd love to kind of get into, I mean, I know, I think COVID delayed things a little bit for you guys as far and the housing market went up like crazy. And so I know this, um, year of being in an RV, I think I heard was extended a little bit, maybe more than you intended, but I know a lot of couples, um, tell me, or they go through this process where they stress a lot about where to settle. Um, Should they settle around family? Should they settle around kids? Should they settle around a job? Should they settle around a, uh, a, a military Um, where they feel they're back with their family or they're back with their tribe or whatever, and where they're most comfortable. So there's all this stress about where do I settle? And then inevitably about three years in, which is about time for a PCS, they start uprooting and go, you know what? I think that this was not exactly the place we want to go. We need to adjust and think again. Um, So it's very common from, from my perspective for people to settle in or try to settle in and then still move and adjust that um, That location again. So, walk us through what your experience was trying to decide that and figure it out.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, what is it? Experts, many counselors would say, you know, when facing a major change in your life, uh, of which leaving the military, especially for those who retire after 20 to 30 years or more, you know, that's a major change. A lot of things are going on there. The experts would say, whatever you do, you know, don't make another major change on top of your major change. Well, you know, we kind of got to laugh as military folks, because of course, what happens you make that major change of retirement? And the first thing is the military staring you in the face saying, well, where do you want to move to? Which is among the top five major changes you can make emotionally and financially is the move of your home. So we're kind of in this hurt blocker, if you will, when you're a military retiree, if you're up against a major emotional, psychological, vocational change, and guess what? You're going to get a throw in the whole change of you know a house, a community, etc. Probably, well, if you want that, you know.
0: Not to mention, I think there's also pressure if the military is going to move you, and it's the last yeah. time you have that kind
2: of support. Clock's ticking. That's right, clock's ticking. And uh, mm-hmm. for anybody listening that wants to know, the uh, data was at least a couple of years ago. You know, you can extend that ability to move for five years, but a lesson we learned the hard way was. You only have a year of storage of items, Mm. which we misunderstood that even as closely as we were tracking certain things. And we thought we could extend local storage of our items because we had bought the RV. We put everything then eventually in storage only to find out that after the first year, that is not a possibility, that they Mm. will not store things for you.
3: You, Although they will, they will
2: move you. So anyway, that was like, uh, hey, you roll with the punches. Like, okay, well, that's a financial impact we've, you know. Hadn't necessarily thought about, but um, I think for us it was helpful. Again, another cliche, but it's there for a reason: is you don't know what you don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So all any of us can do is kind of determine our priorities, which I think we did to the best of our ability. We thought pretty heavily about that. We used that time on the road in that first year. You know, who do we want to be? What are our values, and then how will the rest of our life reflect that? And again, faith, number one, family, number two, fitness, number three, um, you know, those were our top three. So if, when we were faced, then what well, do we stay? Do we go? Uh, we again, we're so thankful we had bought an ugly duckling house that was a bankruptcy pre foreclosure short sale years ago. Never knew we'd be there in our last assignment. We wound up being able to live in that house as our last assignment. Others would have looked at that place and said, wow. You know, you could live there forever. And and we were very thankful and blessed on the little place we had on some property, you know, north of town. And I can still remember us sitting in the kitchen of this place, which was more than fine for us. And looking at it and saying, you know what, this is the best home, prettiest home, most acreage, got a lot going for it. It's the best place we've ever been. And we are absolutely the least attached mm. to this home of any we've ever lived in. So why don't we just get out of here and go where our priorities tell us we must want to be. And for us, that was family, you know, mm-hmm. taking the, taking the guests If you don't know what you don't know. And I decided that, um, you know, who is it on everybody loved Raymond? I Frank would be I'm Frank. Like... She would be Marie. <laughs> and we were going to move as absolutely close to those grandkids as they would let us in terms of their parents. So that was our decision-making matrix was we knew our priorities were set. Faith was at the top and uh, that meant family was number two. And we could combine both those things. Just a great time being with family and ideally having an impact uh, in terms of our faith with our grandchildren, even the most important thing. And that was more important than anything else. Is more important than taking a GS job in the Beltway. That, that's the most important thing is they, they, they want that job, get that money. And, and I'm not, saying that we shouldn't be looking at jobs, but I'm saying careful about mm-hmm. making that number one mm-hmm. because I've heard those same people like you were alluding to, Corey, come back a year or two later and say, it man, it it was great money. You know, literally say, oh, it's awesome money, but it it wasn't worth it. We weren't where our priorities were mm-hmm. in terms of the rest of our life. So uh anyway, that's what has relocated us then more recently to buy a home, even though home prices were high and that From a financial standpoint, wouldn't have been my preference, but it's our priorities. And our Mm -hmm. priorities were faith and family. And an opportunity opened up. We said, hey, what better way to pay more money than what you want to than (laughs) to do that on family? (laughs) You know, if you're going to blow more money than you want to, well, you know, at least do it for the right reason. And that was for faith and for family in terms of where we settled. And uh, we're really just getting to the point where we'll begin that chapter of the story. Uh, starting one October, when we get back from where we are watching grandchildren from the summer in one location, to be located back near Lori's parents, family, and our children, other, you know, set of our another child and another grandchild, um, you know where we're headed. So we we spend a lot of time with family in the next chapter.
0: So, so good. And I know we're almost out of time and I could do like three hours of this um, because there's so much to learn um, and gain from you guys. And thank you so much for sharing. You know, you talked about these these five F's that have been not only important to you, but have helped you make so many decisions. What does your days now look like? I hear a lot of couples go, go into this transition and they have a lot of white space. In fact, a lot of this season, um, on reconnecting with what matters most, we've talked a lot about margin and creating margin in your life, creating space for the things that matter the most. And, and sometimes we, The first thing we think to do is just clear out a bunch of space, but there can be a lot of anxiety if you don't fill that space with good things that are quality that align with your values and, and at the end of the day, make you well on some, and you have maybe more white space than you used to have. Um, how do, have you guys learned to organize your day in such a way um, to have, make sure it has meaning that it, you're addressing all of these things that are really important to you um, and also giving yourself permission to actually rest um, and recover? So what what
3: have your days been like as you've sorted through that? that Yeah. <laughs> as I mentioned, it seems like the busier you are, the more organized you are. At least that's true for me. And so I found myself kind of just waffling for quite a while because I didn't have a set schedule. I didn't have hard hard points of things during the day that I needed to to meet. Um, But one of the things that's helped me get organized is while we spend summers with the grandsons out here, um, just kind of we organize their day to give them um, some schedule and that has helped me as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so funny. It was almost back to when we had young children trying to find some time for my quiet time and things like that. And so I'm finding I've had to reorganize my thinking. I have to get up earlier than they do in order to (laughs) have that, that me time. And so those are the kind of things that we're doing right now. And uh, that's primarily summer. Mm -hmm. And like Jeffrey said, um, we're just getting ready to get back to the house and try and set up what normal will look like there. But um, yeah, I would think
2: our situation, fundamentally, folks probably find themselves in one of Two situations at military retirement. Uh, some, again, are blessed enough to not have to sweat it in terms of going into full-time employment immediately. So that, that's a whole set of questions and options that in some ways is harder. Uh, I think and very different than what we're used to, because what we're used to is I've got to get up at 05, 0530 and do this and this and this. I work, I come home, and then I've got evening hours and weekends if you're the one you know working outside the home. And then if you're the spouse inside the home, you're adjusting your schedule accordingly too, to that other individual being out of the house doing their thing most of the time while perhaps you're in the house or, you know, both of you out of the house to your career. Point being, you know, that's that's the norm. That's normal for most people living that life for decades. Uh, then the other set of people are ones who retire and uh, are able to be financially free enough to maybe not work full time. In our case, again, we're just very grateful, thankful. Um, We don't have to work so we can volunteer. So what I do now is really more volunteer-based work. uh, And it's, you know, it takes time and significant, but it's not bringing in big bucks, so to speak. Hence, I'm not tied to, uh, I have to be up at 05 to be in at the office by 730 or 8, so to speak. Um, All that to say... In our situation, which is kind of the latter, where we've got some flexibility and it doesn't look exactly like the normal work day you're navigating. That's what retirement at this stage is looking like for us. Uh, Those same Fs, oddly enough, Corey, are just about a, a great way to structure the day. So first thing of the morning is focused on faith. You know, again, taking time to connect with God in my slash our circumstances, the next thing we're doing is the whole reason we're here is we're going to spend a ton of time with family. That's what Mm. we're doing. That's what the day looks like. So it's making breakfast and making, you know, rabbit ears on sandwiches and, uh, you know, all (laughs) sorts of things as a grandparent and uh, trying to come up with creative ideas to keep testosterone age seven and four, you know, very active (laughs) through uh, the day for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. But along with that family time, then we're pushing off. And man, we're pedaling the bikes and we're running the scooters and I'm running alongside of them to work it out where I blend my fitness with their schedule of getting out in the morning. You know, and, and so we just fill it in. But it's about faith. It's about family. It's about fitness. And then even finances, quite honestly, if I'm not working and making significant income, I would say on top of retirement. There are some questions we've had to ask ourselves. Hey, we we may need to restructure our finances better, mm-hmm. so that it makes that possible. Otherwise, Jeff may be going back to work. You know, if we need to have more. So even finances come into play, and that's been a focus for us. And then again, the trailing thing is, it's a great time to be able to make sure we have a little bit more fun, you know, in our life than we've had. So we're probably more intentional on including fun meaning a trip here, a trip there, getting to do something we've been putting off for decades or whatever, we can do that. Uh, But it's, to answer your question, the days are very much still structured around the value of those five Fs of faith, family, fitness, finances, fun. And one last thought on that, and then I'll be quiet about the five Fs. uh, No, I love it. (laughs) Is uh, for me, that was very helpful in thinking about it. You peel them off in reverse. So the question to ask is, what things in life can I lose? Well, one of the first things that you can lose in life is fun. Either you don't have the money to be doing things, the time to be doing things, the military puts you away and on deployment, and that's not going to be fun for the next year, you know, or whatever. That fun can be taken pretty easily and it's the lowest priority. That's why it's the last one on the list is it can evaporate due to health, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's finances. Then above fund finances, you know, times can turn stock markets down 14% mm-hmm. as of today, you know, uh, houses go up, houses go down finances, that chair can be kicked out from under you pretty quickly. So that's why that priority and focus isn't higher is because it also outside of our control that can come and go, but we begin to have more control over as you go up the ladder of F's, you know, fitness, I I can begin to control my fitness. And try and preserve that as long as I can. On the other hand, we just were with people in the last two weeks visiting who that's been stolen from them. Mm. He was enjoying things and now it's stage four cancer diagnosed Mm. in a relatively young couple that can be taken from you. So don't make that number one and Mm -hmm. do everything about fitness. So there's family above that. We'll always have family. The people that will be holding my hand in the last moments will likely not be coworkers. Mm -hmm good as they were wonderful relationships that they were, it'll be a beautiful wife, children, mm-hmm. you know, family members. So man, I better counterweight my effort. You know, There, even with my day, my days now, but that's why we spend time with grandchildren, why we spend time with kids that still want to hang around us. Fortunately, you know, in, in their thirties and things. And then of course, even family can be taken, you know, it's not pretty to think about, but those of us in the military, know, we face life and death stuff. And, uh, Fun can be taken, finances can be taken, fitness can slip away, and even family you know, can be stripped from us. So the most important thing that you're left with, the only thing you have at the end of the game can potentially be faith. Uh, so that's the value of that pyramid of those Fs, mm-hmm. so to speak, why faith is so preeminently important and worth the effort. And wife funds a good thing, but you know, it's down the list and all the other stuff is ordered in between. So don't know if that's helpful to anybody it's else, so helpful. but oh, man, that's been, it's been helpful for me in terms of figuring out life from here forward. What are we going to focus on?
0: So helpful. And I love how intentional it is. And I love all the examples of how you guys practically applied it at, at various stages of all of this. Um so thank you so much for walking through that especially because that makes so much more sense of why you ordered it the way that you did. Um so I think I have one last question to close. One of the things that I have seen a lot for couples is that there's this interesting dynamic that I wouldn't say happens with every couple but with a lot of couples where you know for a supporting spouse um so much of their life revolves around um the military and the military schedule and um and they really come to terms with being out of control, right? They they control everything that they can control. We're known to be control freaks, but it's because we, in a sense, deal so much for so long feeling out of control, not knowing where we're gonna go, not knowing where we're gonna live, I'm um, not knowing what that's gonna be like. And then we kind of like try to wrestle life into submission <laughs> um, once we get somewhere. Um, and then in a lot of ways, I think the service member has this very regulated life that you talked about, Jeff. Um, where you have that constant accountability. Maybe you feel over controlled by the time you're approaching retirement. And so what's interesting is we go into this um, new transition where a spouse oftentimes is desperate for control and choices and to like have a say-so and and really have control for the first time maybe in a long time and then you have sometimes a service member who is just ready to just let it all go and not be controlled at all. And so there's this very interesting dynamic that happens between the two where we're kind of looking forward to different things and have anxiety sometimes about different things. And in some in some ways it can contrast each other. If I were to have control of my circumstances and my spouse just wants to like not have anybody control them at all right that's a totally two different dynamics and um i see last thing i see service members experience a lot of anxiety making that decision for retirement because they don't know what's on the other side and it's not um scripted for them and there's a lot of things that could go wrong with that. And so it's easy to delay that um, until they know exactly what it is that they wanna do. Whereas if you have a spouse that's so ready to make those decisions for the first time, you can see how there can be a lot of conflict leading up to and through the transition. So I guess just my last question to you would just be, what would you say to encourage that couple out there that might be going through that right now, that might um, really be stressed and anxious about this process and really wanna get it right, um, and hopefully cross that finish line with a marriage that's intact and, um, and centered on some of the values that you guys just described and just modeled. So what would you say to encourage some of those couples out
3: there? i guess um i would say start dialoguing about it before you get to that last day of active duty and um hopefully if your marriage is still intact and uh you can communicate with each other just uh be able to verbalize what your expectations are mm-hmm. um For me, as I said, I was a nurse, but um, I know there are many spouses who work outside the home that are more career-minded than I am and probably look forward to a place they can really plant roots and grow their career path Um, because typically most people in the Army, even when you retire, you're still young, young enough to continue your career path if you want to. So I think probably getting a feel for that, that you can communicate that on. And one of my desires after moving around as much as we have is to find a, a church, a community uh, of people um, to be that family that the military was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to being able to set some roots for more of the relational aspects. Fact mm-hmm. Of it. Um, but I would say to start your conversation early mm-hmm. so that you're both know what the other one is looking for and um, won't have unmet expectations.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd, I'd tag team to the degree that, you know, great relationships are always made of the other person looking to lean in toward the other one and uh, without sacrificing your own needs in the process. Mm-hmm. So I was looking forward to. Yeah, you, me, and an RV doing nothing and hitting the road and unscripted. At the same time, she was probably most hungry not for that, but to settle in a community to grow deep roots and mm-hmm. be super stable and mm-hmm. begin that journey. So, you know, we lived exactly what you were describing. I was going to tease and say, you know, we have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. Corey, <laughs> because that, that was exactly uh, the navigation of very different needs. But I will say, um, she was very good at leaning in, saying, let's do it, and, you know, now's the time to do that. And she uh, fanned the flames of my dream at that point in the relationship and in the journey in the same way that I'm very sensitive to. I get the privilege after she's followed me around to 25 addresses and 31 years and done what the Army, you know, asked her to do again. That man, I want nothing more than for her to find that community where she wants to be a part, and we can do that together. So I'm looking for that for her too, the same way that she was all in and excited, you know, to take the crazy journey uh, of a year or two. And last thought, you know, yes, just say hey, what words of encouragement would I give. One would be, "Hey, uh, embrace it as an adventure and don't be scared of it as a threat. It, it's not a threat. I mean, we are blessed. You are blessed if you're on the cusp of retirement." Hardly anybody gets pensions anymore if you've done the military thing, whether it's small or whether it's large. You're going to have some help in the next phase of life that most people don't get. You have given greatly to get that. So thanks for your service and enjoy the benefit that comes from all the sacrifice that you've enjoyed. And the military has been all about adventures. This is just one more adventure, man. It's not a threat. It's just another adventure. Point number one, point number two, you've been well trained for it. Just do all the things the military taught you to do, you know, Uh, buckle down, engage in discipline, live by values that you've been taught, you know, show up early, stay late, give it all you got. And things will work out in the next phase, no matter what. And then the third thing would simply be, but whatever you do, do it according to very clear values Mm -hmm. that you've identified. The Army helped you do that when you were in the Army. They gave you a dog tag that had the values on it like the other military services do as well and uh, this is a chance where you don't have to live by those values although they may serve you very well but the question would be what are our values as we go forward here and then are we building a life that reflects those values and for us that was again faith family fitness finances fun, and then work or whatever we do with our day job and vocation That comes in after all those things, after we've intended to live by our values.
0: Thank you guys so, so much for your time and your investment. Thank you for investing in the military community. Matt and I, um, we love you guys so much and we're thankful for how you have been such a model couple for us. We talk about you all the time of how do we finish well, the way the Hawkins did. And um, we're just so thankful for you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review, or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to CoryWeathers.com or life giver.org for tons of content and resources and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.